Welcome to the Unshakable Principle Podcast. I'll be your host, Saeed, and with me is my co-host, Aurangzeb Sohail. We'll be discussing the business principles that have stood the sands of time. Welcome back to our podcast. My name is Saeed and with me is my co-host Aurangzeb Sohail. And yep. we'll be presenting the book Pitch Anything by Oren Claff. This is an amazing book. It has a lot in it and we'll be diving deep into it as we go further in this podcast. We want to keep you guys curious about this. Um, it's, it was an amazing book and it was an amazing read for me personally. Yeah. How did we Yeah, same here. It was just awesome, right? You, you, um, it's very insightful and knowledgeable. You get to know about the various aspects of uh, selling and how the mind works and uh, how do you to position yourself. So, yeah, very useful and uh, had some really good tips on how you can become a good seller. Something that's different in this particular book from uh, every other sales book is the fact that it actually focuses on the science of sales. So it actually yes. focuses on what hormones cause what exactly in your brain and how your whole brain is structured and how what happens what's the psychological impact of your sales and uh, of your sales pitch and how you can um, kind of like uh, vary your pitch so that yeah, yeah. your pitch is better um, exactly because uh because most of the other books you might have read, um, they're filled with, you know, uh, just uh, stuff uh, regarding uh, how you can uh, get past the gatekeeper and all that other kind of stuff. But if you really understand the science of selling and how the brain works, you can actually manipulate people and uh, close mm -hmm. them and uh, set yourself apart from the crowd. This is yeah, what this book is. It's like um, initially, like, the way most books are structured is the fact that they just give you an answer to something, but they don't actually tell you how it works. This actually yeah. really dives deep into, okay, this thing works, but why does it work? It actually tells you why it works. So you're able mm -hmm. to reverse engineer anything in mm -hmm. a situation where you're always on top and mm -hmm. you're always selling and, you know, you're that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so starting out with some of the context in the book um he mentions the crocodile brain a lot and the neurocortex so yeah yeah what was the crocodile and the neocortex so the crocodile brain was uh something that's in instinctual in the hmm. sense that it's something that uh is natural uh it's something it's the oldest part of the brain which is um tuned with uh, our senses of survival where yeah. it, like a fight it, uh, like a fight or flight move right yep so you summed it up clearly uh so it's 
something like that. And the neocortex is the most developed part of our brain. It's the part where most of our cognition happened. Cognition happens, and yeah. it's where all the more articulate so, thoughts are formed. Yeah. So with pitch anything, there's one thing to consider here. It no matter which industry you're in, if you understand that most people approach uh, you as with the crocodile brain and not with the, the, the with the neocortex side, uh, you have very like slim chances of actually getting a sale, right? Because with the crocodile brain, it it's like you either uh, it's like a fire fight or flight move, right? He's uh, the crocodile is either going to eat you, or mm-hmm. if you're a big and be opposed to you he's just gonna like avoid you right so right. Uh, so so that's that, that's what we get wrong basically we're trying to sound logical in our pitch and do anything but without understanding if we are no interest to the crocodile brain uh we just won't get past to the neocortex it's like you going to a gatekeeper who's not really paying attention to all the mathematics or any of the logical statements that you're um, shoving in his face and yeah, you're yeah. still trying to get through to him but he's just like nah I don't even trust you to begin with bro what are you even talking about right so it's kind yeah, of like you, yeah you have to you have to tell him something that will cause him to get scared or um, probably let you through like um, for example we uh, I think there was one of the examples in the book where he goes like that uh, I have something really important to uh, get to your boss, these uh-huh. documents. So if you write like confidential or any other sort of thing on the documents, he'll immediately get scared because he knows that if these documents don't get through to him and because he can see the confidential sign, his job mm-hmm. is at risk. So where his right. own job is at risk, he'll, he'll, he'll let you go past, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if it doesn't scare him or interest him, uh, there's no way you, anything you might say that can convince him. Mm-hmm. And it really just like comes back down to uh, his crocodile brain. You're a person who he's never really seen before. You're a person who's approaching him out of the blue. He doesn't really trust you to begin with. So yes. you approaching him with a frame that's stronger than his. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna explain what frames are, but like just for uh, finishing my ex- just to finish up my example, it's like. You got to come with a place where he, you have some type of authority that gives you an upper hand over him, or you're coming in with an emblem of trust where he just sees you and he trusts you uh, in the sense, I guess. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because, uh, yeah, that's the thing. That's the unique thing about frames. No one talks about frames. So, can you explain what frames are uh, for the audience? Um, so frames are uh, basically um, how he defines frames in this book is that in every interaction between two human beings, there's always there there's always a clash of frames, and he says that we're all bound by our frame of intelligence and perspective, and when two frames collide. The stronger one wins and then ideas of the stronger frame are accepted and that frame really controls the flow of the conversation 
of the conversation. So it's like you meet someone. Um, so it's it's so to basically uh, put it in layman's terms, basically it's basically a sort of the authority you're uh, representing, right? Like the mindset you're going with, or uh, uh, the me- the mental perspective that you have, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really have to always be that you're you're the person who's actually in charge uh or you're the person who act who's actually higher in the hierarchy it actually depends on how you're presenting yourself and yeah. there's a lot of stuff in this as i mentioned before this is a book that actually dives deep into why everything actually works so he dives into what the power frame is what the time frame is what the analyst frame is and how each of them are um, weaknesses and strengths against each other and yeah, how yeah. you can use them in different situations to, you know, get the better of your opponent because it's kind of like treated as a battle right here yeah, in this book. And you all know it's a battle when you're out to sell. Either you sell or you lose. Yeah. So... Basically, we'll try to explain each of these frames and how their strengths, because that's what he mainly goes through in the book, right? Mm-hmm. And how you can so, create frames and yeah, keep going. Yeah, and how you can like create frames and uh, basically uh, 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 make every situation to your advantage, right? So, mm-hmm. should we start off with the price frame? Uh, okay. So the price frame is something where um, where the other person treats um, let me let me try and uh, rephrase that. So well, let me try and say that in words that you'll actually understand and stuff my gibberish, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> So one of the examples in this book is that if they're making you wait because someone is late, just reconfigure yeah. to later later that day. Don't start the presentation or delay it for an hour or give them 15 minutes. So it's basically a place where someone is valuing themselves so much that they kind of like consider themselves a prize. So yeah. the way that we see a lot of encounters where you're trying to get a sale and you're desperate in that um, in that um, in that winter and you end up presenting yourself with such desperation that another person really doesn't trust you where uh, where where the other person isn't really valuing you to begin with, where he's coming Val- late to begin with. He values his own time, right? Instead of instead of you. So he is the price. So he he can he dict- he dictates the game because he's saying that I only have 15 minutes and let's keep this short. So he's dictating the length of the conversation. He is actually controlling the flow. So mm-hmm. if you base your pitch uh, on a 30-minute meeting. That means you have to compress it to 15 minutes, which means you're going to miss out on important details, right? So 
just one line from the price frame basically tip the scale in the uh, person you're trying to pitch pitch's favor right so mm -hmm. yeah uh, it's so, like so, when you're how waiting. do you actually, so how do you actually bust that frame open right what's the solution to that that only uh -huh. goes through The solution to that is. Um, I think you mentioned I, something about scheduling or. Scheduling, or, yeah. So one of the yeah, things if that. He, if, he said, if he said, if he, yeah, if he says like, I think you, uh, yeah, I only have fifteen minutes. You can mm -hmm. say like, uh, it's not possible for me to uh, describe my point of view and present this idea uniquely in a fifteen-minute fashion per se. And uh, it's gonna take me half an hour. So when you have the time, or uh, we can reschedule to another time, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like where you you're you're the one who's dictating the time and the length, as Aurangzeb mentioned before. You're the one who's um, in control in how the meeting is dictated, not the customer mm -hmm. itself. Mm -hmm. So. I feel like that's a good segue into moving into our next frame, which is the time frame. Yes. So he, the customer goes like, I only have 10 minutes. <laughs> so yeah, the something, yeah, something. Sorry. Thanks for squeezing me into your schedule. I was just like going to do a kind of like a skit where. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Okay. 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 So yeah, if I say I'm, if I'm the customer, I say I only have ten minutes. What Thanks is Moish gonna speak to your schedule? Nah, that ain't That's... the way you're gonna approach that. Um, mm -hmm. you're gonna be like, nah, I don't work like this. There's no need to reschedule unless we like and trust each other. I need to know if you're good to work with. If you notice signs of boredom, from, boredom from the customer, uh, try to wrap it up, but don't speed up your tone. Because I feel like that just like goes back to the fact that you're the one who's in control. It's not the customer. So you're the price. You're the price. Mm -hmm. You got so, to make yourself important first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where like a lot of people just end up becoming uh, really self-deprecating and uh, kind of like desperate in the sense because they really want this and the customer really knows that uh, they really want this and but and they kind of like change their whole attitude um, mm. to suit that specific customer and I'm not saying that's a bad thing but like if you're if they're dictating the terms of the deal they're the ones who are in control you're not really selling they're the ones who are telling you how to uh, approach okay. each and every aspect of yeah. the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. So, shall we move on to the intrigue frame? Yeah, sure. So, when, yeah, so basically, when people are intrigued by data, you give them a number, right? And mm -hmm. uh, to crunch. So, uh, you, you've prepared your summary. And if they're intrigued by data, they're mostly likely to enjoy that pitch more if you're giving them something that's related to that, right? Mm -hmm. So the revenue is this, cost is this, break-even point is this. So these are all number details, right? 
so you can create you can create create a bit of curiosity right so if if you're dealing with such a person who can who who likes to deal with numbers he he's he he wants to discuss that right so it's better to discuss something that's related to that and keep him curious so he's he doesn't get bored right so if you've told him the revenue he wants to know the cost right so he'll wait uh, you can tell him other details but he'll wait until you can you'll tell him the cost so he keeps he he's he's engaged in the pitch right so he doesn't get bored because that's what he's interested about and all of this really comes back to you as a person really getting to know your customer wants and really doing the research on him and mm. if not you should be really good at reading people and kind of like just seeing what kind of person they are not yeah. that you can read everybody but it's just that finding out what makes them tick in the sense that you can uh you can intrigue them with with a value proposition that's useful to them and not a value proposition that you think that might be useful to them i think uh, uh i think one of the important aspects of this is actually diving straight into question and answers with the prospective client right because if there's a lot of question and answers uh to improve you can easily figure out what type of person he is right or she is yeah. because if he's asking a lot of questions regarding uh, uh numbers and uh, the metrics you know he is a numbers guy he is an analyst if he's asking more about the quanti- uh, the qualitative aspects of uh, of your value proposition that means he doesn't like the numbers so there's no point in discussing numbers with that guy he's not interested mm-hmm. and that's really really just like ties up back to like a lot of books that we've read and even in this book he mentions this that really just like engaging the customer in the beginning and really listening to what he what he's saying and what kind of like direction he's taking the conversation to so you can um it's not really it's so i feel like there's like a power frame here as well where you're adjusting your um pitch to suit the customer but if it's dictated on your own terms where you're the one who's questioning the customer and finding yeah. out who he is you're the one who's actually in control and not them where it's that was control yeah, that was actually a fine detail that you picked on must appreciate it because uh right people get confused with the power frame and that so that's what that's a very important distinction right where mm-hmm. you control the game mm, i agree so yeah and just like pretty much like sales is mostly listening to your customer and seeing what makes him tick and then you winning like harvey's factor <laughs> yeah because at, at at the end of the day if if you use science if you don't use science if uh regardless if you don't provide value to the person at the other end of the table the sale is just not going to happen yeah right. you discussed this in the sales bible right that you need to provide value up front you need to give more we've discussed that other than that in basically gary v's book but <laughs> you know i'm just going to transgress but you need to provide value nonetheless whether be right. it through science 
uh, be it through establishing rapport, etc. Mm -hmm. um, all right, now transitioning back to the book. Uh, yeah. One of the things that was interesting to me, it's something that's pretty uh, obvious, but he, he said that he said in this book that every social interaction is guided by a pecking order. Now, mm. a pecking order is defined as um, a, a sort of a hierarchy where, obviously, uh, if you take that in the family system where the mother and the father would be at the top and then the elder brothers and then the smaller brothers and sisters and all that and so on. But, mm. like, because... In every interaction, there's all, always someone who has a higher status and that really causes you to change your tone and your personality to, to accommodate that person's alter ego. Mm -hmm. um, that's really interesting because since like every interaction is guided by this, how are you able to approach um, CEOs of banks itself while you, you, you just have your startup and you're going to pitch to, well, CEOs of, I don't know, Barclays Bank or something. So he really dives deep into that and how the pecking order is already decided by status and all of that, but how you can actually take control of that uh, as well. Yes. So, yeah, because the thing. Okay, yeah. Are you done with the pegging or because? Yeah, I, so I, it's just like he has yeah. like certain techniques which you can use to uh, avoid the pecking order and, you know, just like straight go to the top and just like. Uh, Clash your frames head to head rather than uh, starting out at a lower position to begin with. Mm. So one of the techniques he used in his uh, examples, I don't. It it really comes further down in the book where this was one of his biggest sales where uh, mm. he was at a corporate office and the hierarchy was set. Uh, uh, so it was like is this just from the end of the book yeah from the end of the book where yeah, yeah, yeah. he goes to an office to like get a repayment of a loan or something like that for a friend yeah, of his yeah. so but like so one of the things that he says is that lobbies are particularly set to induce a kind of a pecking order where you're made to wait in the lobby that's what they do at internships or when you're going to for interviews. They set you up in a lobby where they kind of like make make sure that you know that um, they have a higher pecking order than you. And obviously they're in control of the whole thing. And yeah, so, that, so that's like a beta. That's like a beta trap, right? They're yeah. setting you up. Yep. And. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like he says that a well-chosen, well-timely, friendly, disruptive act will determine the king of a conversation as such, and the king of 
the conversation obviously here is the stronger frame and you know the stronger frame wins in the also mm. so just like because like i feel like this might be really relevant to a lot of people who are really going for internships and stuff so kind of like just having going into an interview i feel like a lot of people obviously the other person is an expert in the field or even if if they're in hr they they obviously have ex- more experience treating uh dealing with people of your pecking order as of uh and once you're in there uh it's already determined that they're the alpha they they obviously start out with a higher pecking order than you right because mm-hmm. they're the ones who are in control they're the ones who are asking the questions and they really dictate the whole conversation during during the duration of your interview so mm-hmm. what kind of things will you be able to do in that situation where uh where you could take control of the conversation so one of the things that would really yeah is Actually I let I I ask this question to you first. What do you think yeah, okay. would be one of the techniques that you would use in this situation for the for the beta trap? No, no, for the internship. How how would you take control of the conversation? Yes. So my whole thesis is actually based look they're going to make you wait, right? You're you're the one looking for the job. Uh mm-hmm. there's only there's only there are other companies out there but you're the one currently in the lobby right so you're competing with the other guys in that same lobby right and you you just got to you just got to stand out and if you provide more value than all of the other people combined they're going to choose you regardless so mm-hmm. my proposition would be actually based on just letting them know what my strengths are not dwelling on my weaknesses highlighting what my main points are and where i can actually provide more value to the organization that the benefits i'm going to receive from the on job training or any sort of uh, salary reimbursement but it's it's going to be predicated on that so um how how am i going to sell myself on that well i'll have to reverse engineer what the organization cares about right so and i actually did this for one of my interviews Early, early on when applying uh i it was a it was a government sector organization which actually cared a lot about uh the uh, the the public sector accountability right the firms okay. and their accountability so i need to i need to position myself as someone who who was actually a trustworthy person right and uh, so i related mm-hmm. back to an incident where this happened so that eventually caused me to succeed in that interview and i was successfully and comfortably able to answer any of the questions thrown at me so just it's all about reverse engineering what they want and then positioning yourself as having the authority over that i agree with that thesis but i feel like that really kind of like just goes back to the way that you just approach the final answer and you're not really analyzing how the whole thing is working so and you're saying my, yes. you're saying my approach isn't right i'm saying it's a way you can get things done but i'm saying that according to this book where frames matter a lot um i feel like 
once you're doing that, you're actually doing the same doing the same thing that this book teaches. But since you don't really, um, so here here's how here's how I think about this. So when you're reverse engineering what the other other uh, what what the other person values or the company values in your interview, what you're actually doing is that you're assuming a frame where you're assuming a prize frame where you're treating yourself as a prize as such. Mm. Um, not really, actually. Um, it's like you're giving yourself power with the sense that they know that you're, you're the person who's giving them value, right? Mm. They, they know that, okay, this is the thing I wanted and this guy is right in front of me, right? want to do business with him rather or I want to hire this guy rather than the other guy. So in turn, what you're actually doing is you're creating yourself with an analysis frame or analytical frame or whatever that one was. Yeah. Uh, the, the intrigue Analy frame where... No. Intrigue, no. Yeah, yeah, the intrigue frame. Analysis was the one that deals with numbers. Mm -hmm. The intrigue frame where the other person's curious, okay, this person's actually a person that I would like in my organization. I'm curious to see what this person can pull off in the future years as such. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, uh, after that, um, so the first part of the book really deals in uh, the mechanism of the brain, how frames work, and how all that stuff is. And yeah. the second part of the book kind of like dives deep into presentations and pitching um, with presentations. So if you have a 20-minute presentation and you're pitching to venture capitalists and sharks and, you know, if, if you're mm -hmm. getting ready for that shark tank, you know, presenting to Mark Cuban, you know, my boy Kevin O'Leary. Uh, then you... He has some tips on how you can arrange your pitch in a way that's been, that's proven to be successful with the way the human mind works, with the way we interpret things and the way we perceive things. Hmm. Do you have any comments? I, I, I've seen that you've been rather quiet and that might be because you're looking at your phone for quite a long while. Oh, sorry, I, I think I transgressed. My bad. I don't think you transgressed. I think you disgressed. I don't <laughs> even but whatever. Oh, oh, man. it's been it's been a long day, man. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> okay. No. Alright, I, I was. <laughs> All right, catching you back up because, you know, my co-host is someone who is, uh, <laughs> oh, please, just, please, um, please just continue. <laughs> his, uh, uh, attention span isn't that great as it refers to, is that of a goldfish? Is that of a goldfish? But isn't, as long as, as, long as he's, he just wanted the word gold in there. But anyhow, uh, coming to the whole thing. Um, one Didn't of the things that... Discuss, 
shouldn't we discuss where the pitch where he went like and he his pitch actually got rattled by an investment banker and uh, where he said very very because I actually remember this part and he said that he was gonna tell him about a secret sauce that mm-hmm. that was gonna fix up the deal but then he <laughs> but but then the investment banker who could actually make yield curves in his brain uh, just backfired. So he had to position himself again because he he knew that was an authority, and the current frame he had had no way of beating his frame. So that's really where where he highlights the use of frames and how you can shift particular frames in certain conversations, and where always the powerful frame always wins in comparison, right? So he just mentions how the other person was shifting his frames. He was going from power frame to an analysis frame where he was like, we can't put put out all the money that you're asking for in two days and all that stuff. But where his thought, where he applied his power frame, he was uh, not willing to budge in that situation. And he already had the knowledge and the backing to call his bluff and you know, it's bullshit mm-hmm. and everything. So, yeah. And it's a wonderful book if you're all looking for it. It's available on our link in the link <laughs> our, at Amazon. And, uh, you know. Actually, I do recommend before, before even you start with this podcast, you go to London Reel and check out his interview with mm-hmm. Brian. Uh, right. Was, the guy named Brian. I, I'm not sure, but I I saw that interview, and the first thing I did was go on Amazon and buy that book because that was one of the most amazing interviews ever. So this guy is yeah. a genius, and uh, we oh, aspire to we aspire to be like him on some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his interview was really interesting to say the least. Um, I saw it after I read the book, and um, or did you? What's up? You? I thought you did. What? Ah, uh, you, you saw the interview. Nice. I saw the interview. Yeah, and um, that's about a wrap. Before we transgress into our um, <laughs> the matters that you guys don't really care about. And we'll see you on the next <laughs> exciting episode of Dragon Ball. Exciting episode of the Unshakable Principle Podcast. Which one are we doing?